Wow. Well, it's certainly good to be back with you, and uh, I just want to be honest with you for a minute. I've been looking forward to this morning um, for about a week now. I've spent the last week um, up in Decatur, which is part of Atlanta, or at least it feels like part of Atlanta, um, going to, to school, working on my, my doctorate, and um, I've been looking forward to this week, and it was just so good um, on Friday and Saturday to go by the Pittman Park Fair booth. Uh, once I got back, yeah, Fair booth. Uh, when I got back in town to see some of you, and last night uh, we were handing out like fried Twinkies and hot dogs and chicken fingers and french fries and all this good stuff, uh, calorie, calorie good stuff, calorically charged good stuff um, out the windows, and I just took a step back and looked around the room at the diversity of people that were there. Um, at, at the young people, the old people, people in between, people from different walks of life, people who, who probably wouldn't talk to each other unless they were sort of forced into a group together. And here we were in, in this fair booth, not even as big as the size of this stage, handing out food together and laughing and having a good time. And I thought to myself, this is what heaven must look like and what heaven must feel like. People from all over the world, people from all walks of life, coming together in the presence of God. And, and I took a picture and put it on Facebook and said, you know, I can't wait to worship with these people tomorrow. And here we are, it's tomorrow, and we're here, and I'm amped up. And you can probably tell that this morning. I'm excited uh, to be here with you today. Now, we're in the last week of our series, Duck Dynasty. And um, some of you are like, oh, you know. I'm going to miss this. And others of you are like, yeah, something different. Um, and that's fine too. Um, but we're so glad that you're here with us worshiping today. And I want to share with you um, an episode um, in, in the episodes of Duck Dynasty, in the series of Duck Dynasty that happens um, when Jace, Uncle Cy, who is crazy, and we know this, you have Jace who, and Uncle Cy, and you have Godwin, and you have Martin, these guys who are in the duck call room. Um, and they're sitting there one day, and Godwin's stomach keeps grumbling. Have you seen this episode? Godwin's stomach keeps grumbling. And Godwin is about three times the size of me. He's a big boy. And so when his stomach grumbles, everyone in the room can hear it. And so they come up with this idea. All right, what are we going to do? We can't listen to Godwin's stomach rumble all day. Um, so they decide we're going to go to this brand new donut shop across town um, called Haskell's Donuts. We're going to go to Haskell's Donuts, and we're going to get the most delicious treat in the entire world, a hot, fresh, glazed Donut. Now, how many of you um, have ever had that late night urge um, when you were driving? Yeah, yeah, the late night urge. And, and maybe you were in Savannah. Maybe you've had this experience. You're in Savannah and you're driving down Abercorn and you're like, I'm kind of hungry, kind of snackish. And then the light at the Krispy Kreme donuts flashing, saying hot, fresh donuts, and you can't help it. You're just drawn to it like a, like a moth to a light. And there you are in line, you know, with, I don't know, 24 donuts. I don't know how many donuts you eat. I don't eat that many, but maybe you have 24 donuts. And you're just picking out because hot, fresh donuts. That's where it's at, right? This is what these guys are feeling. They're like, of course, we have to go get some hot, fresh donuts. We just can't stand it anymore. Uh, and Jason, in fact, says, you know what? Um, I would shave my beard for a hot donut. I'd shave my beard if it meant I could have hot donuts. And so they all head down to the bakery. And as they sit down, Uncle Cy, crazy Uncle Cy, says, I bet I can eat more donuts than the rest of you. Now, if you've seen Uncle Cy, 
He's the size of my arm. He's a little scrawny, skinny guy with this gigantic beard. And he's a little tiny guy. And they're all like, no, Godwin's like, big old Godwin's like, no, you can't eat more than me. Look at me. You can't eat more than me. And Martin is about the same size. And he says, you can't eat more than me. And Jace, Jace is always up for a challenge. So he's like, I can eat more than you can. So they all put their money uh, in a little pot and they open up a tab and they start eating donuts, right? They start eating these donuts, these hot, fresh donuts. And you see, um, you see Martin over there, and he's just cruising through about the first six donuts. Now, six donuts, a lot of donuts, all right? Let's just be honest. Six donuts is a lot. He's just cruising through, cruising through, cruising through. Uh, you see Martin over there next to him, and he's just eating and eating and eating. Well, they get through the first box of donuts, and they're starting to feel it. You ever eat too much fried food? Maybe you were at the fair this week, and you ate too much fried food, and you started to get that feeling, and you're sweating. Well, all of a sudden, Godwin and Martin start sweating. <laughs> and Jace is, is over there looking at him. But Uncle Si, what's he doing? He's over there just putting donuts down. Uncle Si eats 32, 32 donuts. How is this humanly possible? I don't care what size you are. 32 donuts is a bunch of donuts. That's a bunch of donuts. He's, he just puts them away. He fills up. I, I mean, he had to have filled up every empty spot in his body. Had to have been filled with, you know, hot, fresh donut by the end of the story. But the other guys, Martin and Godwin and Jace, they drop out in the 20s. But Uncle Si, he's just putting them down. Well, everything's fine, right? They leave, I'm certain, on a sugar high. <laughs> from all the carbohydrates and sugar that they must have consumed, eating all those, those, uh, <laughs> those donuts. They leave, and they go back to the shop. And Uncle Si immediately goes and takes a nap. Well, the other guys decide they're going to try and get back to work. They're going to try and get back to work. Well, they sit down to try and work, and all of a sudden they realize that they are too full, and they can't hardly stay awake. They've got too much inside of them. There's too much going on for them to even be able to get any work done. And the day is completely lost because these guys decided to fill up every inch of their body with donut. Every available space with donut. They get so full they can't even move. You know, most of us, we live our lives like we're in a donut eating contest. We stuff every available space of our lives. We stuff our time, we stuff our schedules, we stuff our budgets, trying to get as much as we can into whatever space that we have left. And the problem is that we will fill ourselves to the point where there's no space in our life for anything else. I promise you that the guys in the duck call room didn't go home and eat a big steak dinner that night. They were too full. They had too much going on inside of them to be able to keep on going. There's no room, there's no margin left in their life. There's no margin left inside their bodies. And we do the same thing with our lives. We put so much stuff into our lives that we find out we have no margin left for anything else. So what is margin? I want to give you this definition for margin. If you have your notes, you can write this down. Margin is this, the amount available beyond what is necessary. The amount available beyond what is necessary. I might define margin as this. It's the difference between what you have and what you need. It's the difference between what you have and what you need. If I have 30 minutes to get somewhere, if I have 30 minutes to go someplace, if I have to go to a meeting and I have 30 minutes to get there and it only takes me 20 minutes to get to the destination, I have 10 minutes 
of margin. Now, if you know me, I don't leave anywhere uh, that close to time. I'll leave two hours ahead, so I have an hour and a half margin um, because I like to be on time. Let's say you have $100. It's another example. Let's say you have $100, and whatever you want to buy is only $80. You have $20 worth of margin. The difference is between what you have and what you need. So how does margin play out in our everyday life? Um, Margin uh, would be showing up five to ten minutes early to a meeting so that you're not stressed all the time. You ever have that feeling that you're stressed because you've got to be to the next place right now when you should be walking out the door, but you're not walking out the door? You ever have that feeling? Yeah, margin would be saying, you know what, I've got to go so I can get to this place on time. Margin financially would be having money left over at the end of the month. This is incredible. This is shocking news that you can actually have money left over at the end of the month. We have a program called Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University that talks all about that. You can have some margin financially. Um, you, you can have space in your financial life. There's margin. We need margin in our moral lives as well. Margin is the distance you keep between where you are and temptation. Rather than be more, being morally on the edge all of the time, having m- margin in your moral life is having a, a buffer, having a hedge between you and whatever it is that might cause you to sin and whatever it is that might cause you to fall. Margin could be the emotional capacity to deal with the problems that come your way. Do you ever, do you, any of you know people who whenever a problem happens, they just lose everything? They just lose it? Like everything falls apart because they can't handle what's going on? Everything just explodes? Do you know anybody like this? And I'm not talking about big things come up, but little things. Like the, your child didn't tell you that they needed to turn in a book report the night before it was due. You, you, any of you have experience with that? Yeah, I, w- I was that kid growing up. <laughs> I didn't tell my parents anything until it was time. And, and some parents, when, when they hear their child has a book report due the next day they didn't know about, they explode because there's no emotional margin to deal, to deal with what's going on in their life. Margin can be having three or four nights a week where you don't have anything at all on your schedule. Could you imagine that, having three or four nights a week where you could just be with your family, be with your friends? enjoy life. Could you imagine? Could you imagine that? Margin can be having significant time with God, not just 25 seconds before you sit down at a meal to say God is great. Margin would actually be having time to sit down in the presence of God, spending quality time with God. Simply put, margin is exactly what most of us don't have. Margin is what most of us don't have in our lives. Because the temptation for all of us, I know the temptation for me, is to fill up every available second of my life with something. Fill up every moment with something. And so I find myself so busy that I'm not able to do the things that actually give me life. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? You get so busy doing stuff, you can't do the stuff that actually matters. It's because you don't have margin in your life. If you open up your Bible to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 17, there's some verses that I hope can sort of establish a trajectory uh, for what we're going to be talking about for the rest of the morning. Um, These verses from Ephesians um, 5, 15 to 17 talk about us. 
and how we live our lives. This is what Paul says to us in Ephesians 5. He says, be very careful then how you live your life, not as unwise, but as wise. Be very careful because if you're not very careful, if you're not very careful with the way that you live your life, there's going to be this pull in your life away from the important things to the urgent things. Away from the important things in life to the urgent things. Paul says we got to fight against that pull. That we need to keep the important things first in our heart, first in our life. We've got to keep the important things. We've got to keep the main thing, the main thing in whatever it is that we find ourselves doing. We've got to fight against the pull of culture. The verse goes on to say, making most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Now, I don't want you to go crazy with this. Um, we don't live in an evil time. We, leave, we live in a world that is prone to pulling you and I away from Jesus Christ. We live in a time that has so many distractions, has so much going on, that it has the potential, the probability, if we just let ourselves go, to pull us out of our walk of faith and toward something else, toward destruction, Paul would say in his writings. These days are evil not because bad things are happening, but because they have the potential to pull us out of the presence of God and out of the purpose that God would have for our life. Paul says we need to make the very most of the opportunities that we have because all we have is today. Because all we have is this moment. If you looked at your schedule today, if you looked at what you had on your schedule for the rest of today, what would you say that your life is about? How about Monday? If you looked at your schedule for Monday, if somebody who didn't know you just sat down and opened up your calendar and looked at Monday and all the things that you have stacked, stacked in on Monday, what would they say that your life is about? Some of us would be shocked because we'd be all about work. Or we'd all be all about chauffeuring our kids from place to place. And either one of those are bad things, those are good things. But if we allow too many good things, too many hot, fresh donuts to fill us up, there'll be no room for anything else. Someone said this, and I believe this, that if Satan, who's our enemy, um, can't make us really, really bad, what he'll do is try and make us really, really busy. If Satan can't make us really, really bad, Satan will make us very, very busy because he knows that if we're very, very busy, if we have too much going on in our lives, there'll be no margin, there'll be no room for us to stay in relationship with God. So many of us, we are consumed and we are obsessed and we are possessed by accomplishing urgent things and we miss out on the important things in this life. So there's great danger in donuts. There's great danger in even good things in our life because they have the potential to fill us up so there's no room left. So I want to share with you a couple things that happen when margin in our life decreases. When margin decreases, first, your stress increases. 
you know this, that if you have to run from appointment to appointment to appointment to appointment, or you have to get the kids from soccer practice to the other side of town to dance, this is my life now, from soccer practice over to dance, over to gymnastics. We went through a season where we were doing that uh, with Addie, our oldest daughter. We were just running from place to place to place to place, doing all kinds of good things. But because we didn't have margin, our stress level went way up. My stress level, Stephanie's stress level, we were constantly worried about where Addie had to be next and who was going to get her there. So we were constantly shuffling meetings and appointments and phone calls to make it all happen. And at the end of the day, we were just exhausted. When your margin decreases, your stress level increases. You know this in your family budget, right? When you start getting down low on, on the account balance... Your stress level goes up, right? Especially if it's like the 15th of the month. You know, you, you've only been through half the month. You've spent three quarters of your money and you're looking at things and you're saying, what are we going to do? <laughs> and your stress level goes up because there's no margin there. There's no space. There's no, sp- excuse me, no space for anything else. If your financial margin decreases, the stress in your marriage, the stress in your life will increase. It will. Number two, as your margin decreases, your relational intimacy, it also decreases. As margin in your life, as the space you have in your life decreases, your relational intimacy also decreases. You see it all the time. Those of us who are busy, uh, we are frustrated and we are challenged. Our mind disengages from everything else that's going on because we're worried about the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. When I was in seminary, uh, this is very much where I was. I was very much focused on the next thing. And so we'd get out of class and my wife would be there saying, what do you want to go eat? What do you wanna, where do you want to go? And I can't even think about that because I'm worried about the book I've got to read for the next class because I've got to do the next thing and get the next thing done. And so I was hurried and our relationship suffered because of it. And this is in seminary when we're learning great things about God. We're learning all kinds of incredible truths about Christ. Whenever the margin in your life decreases, relational intimacy also decreases. You ever have this happen? You go out to dinner and you see a family sitting at, at the table. Maybe you're, um, maybe you're out at, at um, El Sombrero, and, and you walk through. And you, ha- you know how you can kind of see people at El Sombrero? In all the El Sombreros, you can walk past and see what people are doing at the tables. Uh, we were out uh, a few weeks ago, and we're walking by uh, this table, and there's a family sitting there. And, and Stephanie and I were like, oh, cool. You know, a, a whole family have to eat at El Sombrero. And so as we walked past, what we realized is that these, this family wasn't sitting there praying you know, they all had their heads down like this. We thought, oh, you know, family out to eat, they're all praying. We walked by, they all have their, you know, they're all text messaging. They're all on Facebook. I got real convicted in that moment because I'm that guy too. <laughs> they had no, no margin in their life. And because they had no margin for the way they, they dealt with social media and Facebook and friends, it had taken over this dinner time that should have been spent with the family. So we made a rule now. When we go out to dinner, we take our cell phones, we put them face down on the table. Put them face down on the table. We actually had to do this in our staff meetings here at the church too. We, we made this rule um, that we take all of our cell phones because we can be so distracted by our technology 
and because we don't practice good margin with our technology and our social media stuff, that we actually put all of our cell phones face down on the table during staff meetings so we don't get distracted. So we can create margin and space for us to have real conversations about life and faith and ministry. Because the depth of our relationships as a staff were shrinking. We're shrinking because we didn't have a whole lot of margin working. So why is it that most of us, we live marginless lives? Why is it uh, that so many of us plan to slow down one day, but we never can seem to get to that way? Why is it that we can't find financial margin in our lives? Why is it that we can't find a margin that allows us to not be so busy in our lives? One of the reasons is, is because we keep saying yes. We keep saying yes to everything that comes our way because we look out at our world and we see the things that are coming our way and they're all good things. They're all hot, fresh, Krispy Kreme donuts. And who wouldn't want another? You can do too many good things and all those good things can squeeze your relationships down to nothing. Even your relationship with God down to nothing. You can even be too busy at the church. Did you know that? You can be too busy at the church. So busy that you don't have time for a relationship with God. How, how messed up is that? All good things. But too many good things. No margin. Crushes us. So Paul writes in Romans that we shouldn't conform to the pattern of this world. He says, look at the world. There's lots of good things out there. But don't conform to the pattern of living in this world. Instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can know what the will of the Father is. This is what Paul says to us. He says, listen, don't go after the pattern of this world that says fill up every available space, fill up every inch of your life. Instead, take a step back and look at those things that are going to really give you life that are really going to allow you to become the person that God is calling you to be and say yes to those things. And then have the courage and the strength to say no to good things so that you can take hold of better things, of better things. You and I need to practice saying no. Saying no. So we're going to do that real quick. Are you ready? Okay, no, you're going to say no, not yes. Okay? Ready? On the count of three, we're going to say no. All right? One, two, three, no. That was good, Chip. (laughs) Some of you know that you need to practice this, so let's do it again. Are you ready? One, two, three, no. Do you need another meeting on Friday afternoon at 6.30? No, no. Do you need another activity on Sunday? No, you don't need another activity. Do you need some space in your life to hear the voice of God? Yes. Do you need some space in your life, some time in your life to spend with your family? Do you want time in your life to spend with your family? The only way you can say yes to that is to say no to some other things that are going to ask. So maybe that's not you. Maybe, maybe 
Maybe you feel like, I'm just hopeless in this. There's no way I'm going to be able to do this. Well, this is where the words of Christ become so powerful for us. This is where the words of Jesus Christ matter so much because Jesus addresses this directly. He looks in our lives and he says, I I see all of you, all of you are busy. All of you have lots going on. All of you have the potential to squeeze God's presence out of your life. And so I'm going to give you these words. These words are from um, Matthew chapter 11, uh, verses 28 to 32. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 32. And it says there, Jesus says, Come to me, come to me, all you who are weary. Come to me, all you who are weary and who are carrying heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There are times in my life when I need to hear those words when I need to hear that I don't have to keep up with the Joneses or the Smiths or the whoevers of this world, when I don't have to keep filling my life, I need to hear sometimes that Christ says to me and says to you and says to all of us to bring our burdens, to bring all the stuff that we've said yes to and lay it down at the foot of the cross. Because it's there in that moment when we surrender those things that we've said yes to. When we surrender those things at the foot of the cross that we can begin living a new life. So maybe you're out there this morning and you feel like life is just crushing you. Like you've got no margin financially or you've got no margin relationally or you've got no margin in your schedule. Christ is calling you to take a hard look at your life. And to say no to some things so that you can say yes to him. Maybe you need to say no to eating out. Or maybe you need to say no to going to another Georgia Southern football game. Or maybe you need to say no to that next project or proposal or whatever it is at work. So that you can say yes to something that God has designed perfectly for you for your plan, for your purpose. Something that fits with your passion. I want to encourage you this week to start saying no to all the good things. Not all the good things, but some of the good things so that you can take up the great things that God has in store for you. Would you pray with me this morning?